0: It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your
1: host, Bennett Ganey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Crunch Time Plays. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and also subscribe to the new Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel. And we're diving back into NASCAR today. We're bringing in one of the awesome women that covers the sport and and she and I have a have a couple things in common except for the colleges that we went to she's a a Clemson alum and I'm of course a a South Carolina alum so we're probably better rivals there but but we're both powered by caffeine and and Chick-fil-a and that's and that's Alex Weaver Alex I know a lot of people I see all the time like if you could eat one place for the rest of your life I think that's got to be Chick-fil-a for me
0: yeah, uh, I'm glad that a Gamecock's having me on. I'm actually really surprised about that. Uh, we'll keep the rivalry till the end. But yeah, I actually had Chick-fil-A today. People always ask me, you know, it's it's a common question to get that. What would be your last meal or, you know, your meal on death row, whatever it may be. Mine has a lot of Chick-fil-A items in it. So Chick-fil-A is 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 number one on the list for me.
1: I'm one of those weird people. Like I could eat Chick Fil A for breakfast, lunch, and supper. Like I could get the, <laughs> I could get the, I could get the chicken minis like in the morning, and then get me exactly. a chick, and then get me a chicken sandwich at lunchtime, and then slide in some nuggets at dinner time.
0: Yep, I, I, I think there actually has been a day when I've been on the road where I've had Chick Fil A for three times. So you know, it, it could be worse.
1: <laughs> Before we dive into the NASCAR stuff, I wanted to ask you about Clemson in the NCAA tournament. They lost Friday night to Rutgers. But I, you know, after the game, I went on social media and I see all these posts about, Oh, we need to fire Brad Brownell and all these people on there. And I'm like, and and maybe this is just me, but since when is, is Clemson such a powerhouse in basketball that, that (laughs) a sweet, a sweet 16 run and another run to the tournament in the last three years, ain't good enough for you. I mean,
0: yeah, I people always ask me what I think of the basketball team. And I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you. And if you knew me in college, you knew this, too. I think I went to a total of maybe four basketball games my whole four years in school. So I probably went to maybe one a year average. And those were like when we play, you know, Carolina, Duke, uh, you know, the big teams that you, you you went to go watch the other team. I'm really sorry, Clemson basketball. I love you. But uh, it just is not what it's known for. And I I, I like coach Brad Burnell. I think he's good for the program. I think he's had a lot of, of change. Uh, he's brought in some incredible athletes. I don't know what it's going to take for Clemson to be at the standard that I think Clemson fans expect. Um, we have the facilities, we have the recruiting, we have the location. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't want to come in the heart of the South and come and play basketball, but I think you also have to look at when schools are powerhouses and other sports that program kind of tends to be put on the back burner a little bit more. So I think, you know, when you're recruiting in ACC country and when you're recruiting with your competition is Duke and Carolina. And as of recent, heck, Alabama's even making a run now toward the NCAA championship. So I think it's going to be tough to make it to where Clemson fans expect it to be, but. I'm all here for it. We made the NCAA tournament, so that was a lot better for me this year. So hopefully maybe we'll keep improving. Maybe we'll make it to like the Elite Eight next year and then it'll just freak everybody out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to me how people think that, that South Carolina and Clemson are, are supposed to be these powerhouses in basketball. I mean, I mean, you're re- not only recruiting against Duke and North Carolina, Kentucky and those those powerhouses, but now you got teams like Alabama and, and Arkansas and the SEC in, in South Carolina's case, and they're making runs to the sweet 16 elite eight. So I don't, I don't really know what more you can expect.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I I do not have a lot of expectations with Clemson basketball. So when they make the NCAA tournament, my expectations are pretty exceeded. So um, I, I'm hoping for the best and I, I will cheer for Clemson basketball till I'm dead and in the ground, but. We'll see how it goes.
1: Well, I got to ask you before we get into the NASCAR stuff I got for you. Did, did you fill out a bracket for March Madness? And how, how's that working out for you?
0: I did. My bracket's terrible. Um, I have Baylor winning it all. So Baylor's still in the hunt, which is really good. But Ohio State and Illinois really just put a dagger in my bracket.
1: <laughs> and I had I had Illinois and Gonzaga in the national championship game. I had Illinois beating Baylor in the final four. So, so, so I mean – Three out of my final four is still is still intact with, with Gonzaga, Alabama, and Baylor. But even though we'll we'll see how it goes, I'm sure one of those teams will probably lose and and it'll destroy my whole final four. But going into NASCAR now, we've had six uh, races so far, and we've had six different winners. So is this is this the first time in a while that you remember that happening? And and c- could we even get to like sixteen different winners? when it comes around to playoff time.
0: Yeah, I I remember the stat at the start of the season was that this was the first time that we had had this many first-time winners um, in the first two years of NASCAR's existence. And then it happened this season, and now we've seen six different winners. And some of them have gotten wins before. They're not all first-time winners, but they are for the 2021 season, which has been so exciting. Um, I am all for the parody. I love having different winners I hope we have 20 different winners by the end of the season, and it's just chaos trying to get into the playoffs for those 16 drivers. I think that will be incredible. Um, I I do think that Atlanta was kind of the turning point for the season where the stronger teams who are used to winning multiple races a year kind of had to figure their stuff out. Um, So obviously Bristol Dirt and these next couple of short tracks that we have on the schedule and then obviously the the crap shoot that is Talladega is going to be uh interesting because always love that anybody can win at those super speedways but I definitely think the mile and a half program is where guys are going to have to figure it out you're going to have to look at Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick to kind of step up their game and Pull it into victory lane for their camps too, but I, it's definitely living up to to quite a season. This has been one of my favorites so far.
1: Well, I, for one, am really glad for the parody because just sitting back last year and watching Kevin Harnwick and Denny Hamlin, you know, winning an eight and nine races last year, it, it, I mean, to be honest, it got a little bit boring for me, but, but this year it is kind of surprising to see those guys not winning. So, what do they need to do to step it up? I know they've been kind of strong here of late with with Phoenix and Atlanta, but where, where do you see those two possibly getting the win at?
0: Yeah, you must not be a Harvick or a Denny fan because uh, you would have not been bored if they were your drivers and they were winning all the time. Um, but no, I think, I have no doubt in my mind, they're two of the best drivers in the garage and Kevin Harvick and Ronnie Childers figure everything out and figure it out so quickly. Um, and even with Denny and Chris Gabehart who have been clicking on all cylinders for the last couple of seasons, Denny and Harvick are still championship favorites in my mind I still have them in my championship four um I I think it's just going to be more of the same and kind of going to more mile and a half to where they get a little bit more in a groove of figuring it out Uh, I definitely think those old school teams and no I'm not calling Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin old but they are some of the older the more veteran drivers in the garage um but I I I do think that they're kind of struggling a little bit without practice and without these qualifying sessions and um, I don't necessarily think that it's going to make that big of a difference to have practice. I'm not in the race car, so I can't speak on that, but I do think once the notebook starts filling up a little bit more of the season and we get back in those routines of mile and a half and even the road courses, when they can start figuring out how their, how their cars are running at those two, because with seven of them this season, you kind of have to have that figured out as well. But, uh, I would look for them probably in the next Month to figure it out and start pulling into victory lane like the old Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin were used to seeing. So I'm not worried yet, but talk to me in about a month.
1: Speaking of, I wanted to get into this idea of the older school drivers with you, and I'm, of course, I'm not calling Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin old <laughs> either. They're they're very they're very you know ripe for their for their age. Yeah. But the the idea, you know, there's so much technology out there in NASCAR now. There's so much data and analytics out there that people are talking about and. Turning laps on the sim is is a lot of the, the things that the drivers are doing now to, to make up for those uh, missing practice and qualifying sessions. And then we had the the iRacing series at the in the middle of last year during the pandemic. But does that favor some of the younger drivers, uh, like a William Byron, like a a Kyle Larson, to be able to to turn laps on those sims? And, and how do you see that data maybe giving them an advantage?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I have to look at a driver like William Byron, who that's how he started in the sport. So of course he's gonna be better than everybody else at it when he basically invented the way to do it. Um, but Denny Hamlin is really good. He has the best setup, uh, the probably the most expensive setup that I've seen in most of those drivers with Sims. But you you think of Kevin Harvick and some of some of the veteran drivers. I mean, Kevin is in his forties and you have to think about how good are they at just maneuvering an iPhone or any type of laptop or technology equipment. I mean, it's just not it's not the generation that they grew up on. It's not how they grew up racing. So I think that they're gonna tend to have a little bit less um, of an advantage and of a head start than the younger guys. I mean William Byron is what, twenty four, twenty I don't even know if he's twenty four yet. He is a young guy who has just grown up with that kind of being his background. So I think that's already putting them in a disadvantage. But Kevin Harvick's a fast learner. I mean, he's, it's Kevin Harvick. I think he's one of the best. Um, so I, I definitely think that that has hurt them with just less time in the seat so far this season, but don't count him out.
1: What did you make of the end of the of the Atlanta race with, with Ryan Blaney passing Kyle Larson there, but Joe Logano played a big part in that as well. But what did, what did you make of that? Was that just hard racing by Logano, do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it hurt to have your teammate there. I think if if anybody, that's who you want there to help you out, especially when he's a lap down. I do know that Joey Logano races for Joey Logano. So at the end of the day, I'm sure, you know, the captain and RP has told him kind of some pecking orders and what to do in that type of situation. But I know Joey and he wanted the best result possible for Joey, which is he's going to race, you know, anybody like that. Uh, But I do, I do think it helped Blaney a little bit to have his teammate there uh, hearing from Larson after the race and just talking to him uh, through media availabilities afterwards. He also said that he kind of used up a lot of his stuff um, and that he didn't really have much to give Blaney following those restarts. He used a ton of it and I don't know. It would have been interesting to see, given a couple more laps, who had the long run car and the short run car. I don't think there was enough time. And I think Blaney just had the faster car there on the final restarts and uh, got a good head start on it. But yeah, if, I, if I'm if i going for the win, I guarantee I want my teammate there helping me out. I
1: wanted to expand on the Kyle Larson conversation with you, and we'll, then we'll get into to some Team Hendrick stuff. But his story is, is a redemption story, and he, he's driving like it. And And he's already have, he already has one race. And then he should have, you know, people say he should have won the Atlanta race and he, and Brian Blaney passed him. And then he's a pretty big favorite this week at the Bristol dirt race. But what do you make of his redemption story and how he's prepared himself? I know he's, he's always been a great driver, but it just seems like he need, he just needed uh, to have a a uplifting from Mr. H.
0: Yeah, I definitely think putting him, with the powerhouse that is Hendrick Motorsports, has been great for his career. Um, I think Larson has put in the work. I think that you know, he, there's learning to do, and there's always for everybody, not just for Kyle Larson, but there's always going to be more that we can learn and uh, some lessons that we can always take from each other. But on the racetrack, I mean, he spent the whole entire off season racing at dirt tracks and winning at dirt tracks. It wasn't just like he was there, you know, back in fourth or fifth. He was winning those races. So I think putting him with Chad Knaus and the guys at Hendrick who were motivating him and then pairing him with a Cliff Daniels, who we know, you know, had Jimmy Johnson in the seat. I mean, what, four months ago. Um, So I think just putting him with those type of people and those caliber of people who want to win races. And at the end of the day, Kyle Larson, he's a racer. So he's going to, he's going to race whoever, whenever, whatever wheels it's on. Whatever time of day, I mean, that's just what he wants to do. So um, he actually talked to the media a little bit before Bristol Dirt this weekend and just kind of said that he expected to have a fast start, but he didn't quite expect it to be this good. Um, so I I think Har or even, you know, Larson has been surprised by the number five being as speedy as it has been and then them tending to click. You know, it's it's not every day that we see a team who's brand new working together and don't really know each other that well, who can come out and in the third and fourth race of a season win a race. Uh it's kind of unheard of and then be contending for wins pretty much every single week with the five. So I uh, I I did not have Kyle Larson in my championship four when I gave my championship four at the start of the season. I'm starting to rethink that, so we may have to revisit the the number five being there at the end in November.
1: Yeah, I definitely didn't either, and and I'm like you, I may have to may, may have to to revisit <laughs> that as well. But yeah. but just looking at Hendrick Motorsports, I think their average age is like 26 or 27 now with, with Bowman, Larson, Elliott, and Byron. Just how what kind of nucleus are they, and how important is it to have guys back at the shop like Jeff Gordon and, and Chad Knauss and, and even Jimmy Johnson when he when he's not, you know, racing Indy cars now or whatever his he he's doing. But just how important is it for those young guys to have that kind of senior leadership?
0: Yeah, and I, I think their owner has a lot to do with that, too. I don't know if I've ever seen Mr. H make a bad decision ever. Um, and so having those four drivers and especially as young as they are, I mean, think about it. You have those guys who could possibly what be in the car for another 20 years, each of them, let's say they all continue to keep winning. That's basically your lineup set for the next 15 years over at Hendrick Motorsports. And a lot of them have shown speed. All of them have wins, uh, in the highest level you can go at NASCAR. So Mr. H is doing something right. If you want business advice, I think you take it from Rick Hendrick as of late. Uh, but it's been fun to watch and you, you have to look at guys like William Byron who have come in the sport in different levels. And, you know, it was always, and even with Chase back before he won, it was, you know, when are they going to win? When is Hendrick going to show back up? When is Chase Elliott going to get his first win? And they've all done it and they've all exceeded expectations at a really young age and in fresh years in the NASCAR cup series. So Uh, I think the rise of Hendrick Motorsports is kind of just getting started. Uh, I think it's fun over there. I think it's young. I always joke whenever I talk to a Hendrick driver that it's, you know, it's basically the daycare used to be kind of a revolving door because it was all older guys with their, with their, their kids. And now the daycare is the doors are closed. Nobody has kids other than Larson. And it's just let's, Hey, let's go have fun and focus on racing. So it's been fun to watch. Um, I I think Hendrick is the best in the garage right now. I think they're the team to beat. I think they're going to be the team to beat again for the championship, coming off of the high of the nine winning the championship, which is really good for them. So uh, HMS is where it's at right now.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I wanted to ask you about another one of those Hendrick drivers, and that's Alex Bowman. He's he's gotten off to a little bit of a rough start. He's, he's driving the 48 this year, and, and he brings his whole team over with Greg Ives as his crew chief. but I don't know if he's feeling any added pressure driving that 48. I know he's he's filled in for, for Dale Earnhardt Jr. before driving the 88, and he's, he's well-schooled in that. But do you sense that he's feeling any kind of added pressure from that?
0: I don't think so. I don't think the number – and I don't really think for any of them the number on the car affects how they're racing. Um, I think there's just – I don't know what has I don't know what the 48 has kind of been experiencing in these couple of races because we saw them, you know, at the start of 2020. They win at auto club. They start off so strong. They're one of the teams to beat not, you know, not even a season ago. And now it's just kind of been a little bit of a slow start. Um, I, I definitely think that the 48 is in a good place. I think they have, you know, the Hendrick notebook. They have all the resources that they can possibly want. Greg Ives is an incredible crew chief um so I th- I think it's going to be really interesting to see the tra- trajectory of Alex Bowman this season um I have him as winning this season so I I don't think that the 48 and the pressure of picking up and you know Jimmy Johnson's Jimmy Johnson's my boy that's my favorite driver uh he will be forever um but I don't think Alex Bowman feels that at all
1: well we're definitely we're definitely the same because Jim, Jimmy Johnson was always my favorite driver going up and it's and hard just, not
0: to root for the guy. It's really yeah,
1: hard. Yeah, and I mean, I I remember one race at Darlington, because I only live about 20 minutes away from Darlington, but I remember one race there. I think whatever year he won at Darlington, I think it was like 2012 or, or 2013 or something like that, but I just remember just, just, just being a, a real fan of that race and just watching him win. And it was really awesome to see, and, and I was there again in September whenever he, Drove that car with all those, you know, all the legends on it, and it just really impressive. And one thing that did happen to me this week, I did get finally, I ordered it in like October, but I finally got my uh, 48 car from the Southern 500 this year. And so I've been really excited about that (laughs) this week.
0: Yeah, it's that was an awesome paint scheme. And Jimmy showing up, you know, he had the Richard Petty hat and the Intimidator Dale Senior glasses, and he looked awesome. Uh, so I'm a big Jimmy fan. I always will be. I hope he does really well in IndyCar, and I I, I don't think the end of racing is anywhere close for Jimmy. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do in some other series.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. And and one one thing, another thing I'll say about him is is I tried I was trying to bring him some good mojo because I was on <laughs> I was on NASCAR Heat Five, and I kept racing at the at the tracks with Jimmy, and I I kept winning. Hopefully, hope just hoping that it would. Give him a little bit of good mojo, but yeah. he just always had that just had that one incident whether it was bad luck or a wreck that he got caught up in just just didn't happen for him last year but but hopefully he has a great uh, indie car experience and wanted to ask speaking of new teams that we talked about earlier I want to ask you about another new team and that's Bubba Wallace and 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 Michael Jordan and Denny Hammond are the the co-owners of that team. what have you seen from them so far and, and do you expect them to possibly get a win this year?
0: Yeah, I think it was great for the sport. Uh I don't know if you can pick a better athlete to have that's new and fresh to the sport than the goat. I mean, it's Michael Jordan. Um I don't I don't know if it gets especially for us North Carolinians, Michael Jordan will and forever be the goat. Um, so you have him coming in and pairing with a guy like Denny who's so fun, has that Jordan background, him and MJ are friends, and and you pair it with a driver like Bubba, who brings so much to the NASCAR Cup series garage and the storylines from 2020 and how Bubba, you know, has carried himself and handled himself. And uh, I think it's been a great matchup. I think I know that they've showed a lot of speed, had some issues, um, got caught up in some things, and it hasn't really been the end results that they wanted, but Uh, I'm looking at a place like Talladega back when we go to Daytona later in the season for Bubba, he always runs so well on super speedways. Denny is the super speedway master right now. Uh, So I think he has a great kind of partner to lean on there with Bubba. Um, But 23 racing, 2311 racing has been so much fun to watch and cover in the sport. And just having that storyline, I think brings a new set of fans, some fresh eyes. I love the diversity that it brings to the sport. So I'm all here for it. I that it's been fun watching that Doordash car uh, and just talking about MJ has added a little incentive to it.
1: One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and, and as we wind down, and the last thing I got for you, but have have you seen that? I know NASCAR is really trying to, to make a big push and to expand its horizons as far as being more inclusive and expanding viewership and different things like that, and getting MJ into the sport. I mean, you may not like NASCAR, but you, you might, you like MJ and you like the yeah. NBA. So, I mean, why don't you just come on over and watch NASCAR too? And then, you know, you got people like Pitbull that own race teams now, just how have you seen NASCAR how it kind of expand and going, we're going to some new tracks now, like, like Nashville and then adding some new concepts of Bristol dirt this year, but just how have you seen NASCAR expand this year and how, I know they have like a five-year plan maybe or something like that, but what do do you make of that and and how fun is it now to see so many people watching the sport?
0: Yeah, it's been so fun and I think people always kind of see just the drivers and what has been in the sport and that's not always, you know, I I work with a ton of diverse people in the office and around the racetrack and it's, it's People of different races, of different genders, of different backgrounds, of you know, it's it's all kinds of people that come together to make that sport go around. So, um, I I personally have never really known any different when it comes to NASCAR. But I am I'm so excited to see the new fresh faces of fans and to be a more welcoming and inclusive space for you know everybody, regardless of what skin color you are, what background you have, what race and gender you are. Um, I think it should be a place where you bring people together. Um, There's nothing, I think there are two things in life that bring folks more together than anything, well, probably three things, and that's sports, food, and music. I mean, you just, you can agree on some common ground in any three of those things, and for folks to come out and enjoy themselves, and have a good time at a racetrack, and cheer on their favorite driver, and even see, you know, faces and people that look like them in the sport. And I'm looking, you know, at Bubba and he has, I think it's the 2311 commercial that he does where it's, you know, it's kids that look like Bubba that are looking up to Bubba and seeing, you know, I can, I can do this. And this is something that there's that representation there. And even with females, Haley Deegan, Natalie Decker, you see, you know, the females in the sport who little girls are looking up and thinking like, Hey, I can, I can race a car. And that's something I can do because Haley Deegan can do it. I think that's, we need more of that. I'm I'm a champion for that. Um, I love seeing different people in the garage and at the racetrack. And I hope when all of this is back to normal and COVID's uh, a thing of the past, I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that one, but uh, we'll have a lot of these new fan bases at the racetrack and it's going to be fun to kind of meet some new people.
1: Yeah, I really, really hope so too. And it's, it's been really awesome to see such such an expansion of of fans in the sport and and awesome stuff today alex thank you so much for joining me today and and where can people find you on social media and where can people uh, find your work i know i love watching backseat drivers it's like one of my it's one of my favorite things to watch on youtube so tell everybody where they can find your work as well
0: yeah, uh, I am Al underscore Weave. So A-L underscore W-E-A-V-E. Weaver without the R is what I tell people uh, on social media. I am literally on social media all the time, much to my mother's uh, chagrin. She probably wants me to put the phone down every once in a while. Um, but I'm all over social media. You can watch any of our content on NASCAR.com. Backseat Drivers is every single Monday following a race. Um, we'll have some fun guests coming up, especially this season. Kyle Petty has been a big hit for me, so he'll be back, uh, to kind of preview some of the races, but, uh, just tune into that. And then, uh, I'm pretty open on social media. So if anybody wants to chat or talk NASCAR or any have any questions, I am right there. So Bennett, thanks so much for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And there's no doubt about that. And, and you know, I just, just responding to one of Alex's messages the other day about, uh, the, the bushy mcbush 400 and at kansas motor speedway and i just responded back i was like does that mean kyle bush his name for the race should be kylie mckyle i'm like come on now and and yeah. but what do, you, what do you think about that Alex? like that that really should be the thing right
0: yeah i mean especially for that race if we can just have i'm interested to see what kevin harvick with his bush sponsorship will do for the bushy mcbush i think it's the 400 um Yeah, I'm I'm going to have I'm going to have a fun time saying that race a hundred times that week. So, you know what? I'm here for it. The fans got a chance to name it. That's what they came up with. So, Kansas, here we go.
1: (laughs) And I got I got to get I got to get one pick in for this weekend. I know we talked about it during the pre-show, but are you you taking Kyle Larson this weekend for the Bristol Dirt or are you taking the field?
0: Yeah, no, I'm taking Kyle Larson. That was my pick. We actually shot the preview show earlier today uh, with Jonathan Merriman. So that's my pick. I'm sticking with it. Kyle Larson spent all offseason winning on dirt track. So what's one more? I'm going with the five.
1: Hey, that's that's who I'm picking too. And and if we're both wrong, feel free to, to shoot me <laughs> and Alex a message and, and tell us that we're wrong. We, it's not anything that we're ever going to hear. Be- it's not anything that we're ha- we hadn't heard before, and it's not anything that we're not going to hear again.
0: Yeah, I'm 0 for 6 on the season, so, you know, what's 0 for 7? Who cares?
1: <laughs> awesome stuff, Alex. And thank you so much for joining me today. And And make sure you check out all of Alex's work as well. And And thank, thanks so much for everybody for tuning in today. Make sure you subscribe to the Crunch Time Plays YouTube channel and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll talk to you again next time right here on Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.